life coaching and blockchain technology. What? Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Dupree, scouring the globe to bring you stories of courage, passion, and resilience. If I could sum up this podcast into one word, I would use empathy. Now let's get inspired. Welcome to episode 104 of the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I am your host, once again, Brett Dupree, today we have a wonderful interview with Colin Thompson, who talks about how he went from somebody who was not that interested in becoming an entrepreneur, but just through his passion about public speaking, he was able to discover a love of helping other people. Before we get into that, we talk about what's going on in my life, because if I cannot expect my guests to be vulnerable. How can I be vulnerable myself? Wait, that's the opposite of what I'm supposed to say. If I can't be vulnerable, how can I expect my guests to be? So far, it's been, I've been three weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy, and to be honest, it's not that much different than things I have done in the past. The first part about understanding your feelings and questioning them, determining where they're from and what action did you take was positive or negative, is basically probably a good 20% of the personal development I've done my entire life. Currently, we're working on thoughts. And basically, there's this thought exercise that I've been given. And the thought exercise is not that different than the work from Byron Katie, which basically you look at a thought, look at the feelings created by that thought, looking at how helpful they are, and then going through the process of naming that thought, and then trying to choose a new thought and determining how new, true that new thought is, and something along the line of how does this new thought feel, which is primarily the work. It seems to me that CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is taking a lot of things that are in personal growth and then putting it into a therapist's mindset, a therapist's structure, if you will, or it's the other way around. It was created through therapy and then it got stolen by self-help gurus and repackaged. I don't know. Chicken and egg thing. Either way, I am not learning anything new, which is fine. I didn't do this to learn something new. I did this because I need help. There's just something about working with somebody. I've been trying to do this on my own for too long. A lot of that is vulnerability, as I said last week. Last week, I talked about the problem with seeking help and being vulnerable. There is a problem I have with being vulnerable opening myself to others and other scrutiny, even though I could tell everyone here, but it does take some sort of safety and trust to talk to someone one-on-one, -on -one, and that trust is not easily earned. It has to be earned, and it could be easily lost as well with me. My therapists, the trust that I have with my therapist comes from reading their bio and determining that they are somebody who worked through that. So I just, you know, I'm putting myself out there. Though I'd have one, I thought, interesting tidbit is a lot of times I noticed that I shut down my emotions early. That's how I dealt with the things that happened, as talked about with my mom and stuff. And I just shut down my emotions. And feeling emotions to me, especially anxiety, has not been fun. It has not been good, if you will. Like, I do not like feeling anxious. And I notice that a lot of times, especially if I'm working, if I'm studying, or if I'm doing anything that creates this feeling of anxiety, and honestly, the anxiety could be, ah, uh, this work is boring, or this is taking so long, 
or I don't know the answer to that, I'll have to look it up. I feel that anxiety, and instead of just going through that, I will distract myself with the phone, which has historically, or look at YouTube and stuff, which exhort in my past has been a contentious for people who can't mind their own business at work and noticing me surfing something on the internet and then getting back to work and telling on me and not understanding, like, I'm getting my job done and I'm getting it done quickly because I work quickly. That's how my brain works. But I also get bored easily. But so working through that boredom is anxiety and I distract myself instead of working through that anxiety and... The idea of anxiety is a feeling of like anxiousness or fear of something that hasn't happened yet. And so trying to recontextualize in real time that feeling so that I don't constantly distract myself so that I can get more things done or stop more things done quicker and then take actual real breaks rather than a bunch of micro breaks and just not probably not do as good as focus job. And one thing this whole COVID thing has really done is hurt my focus. It's harder for me to watch a movie nowadays. I remember I watched that Demon Slayer movie in theaters, and I kept on trying, like, my hand kept on trying to reach for my phone because I'm so used to just living in a distracted state in COVID just because it's constantly fear. It's constantly, like, COVID really brought that out in me that wanting to distract myself all the time, and I did. I did. So that is something that has come up for me, and I'm working through that. I'm working on doing better with my emotions, and I'm finally... I plan on sometime going through the Internal Family System book on my own, and once I'm done with this Cognitive Behavior Therapist, I'll see in this health thing for my company if I can do an Internal Family System Afterwards, I plan on doing, of course, at the beginning of the year, but of course I delayed it because, you know, I like delaying things. Working on my emotions is hard, and that's just life. But I need to get through this. I mean, I'm 42, almost 43, and I can't continue to let my emotional self hold me back. I just have to do it. And I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I need help. And I'm getting the help I need. So, if you want to get the help you need, let's get into the interview with my guest. Colin C. Thompson, a Canadian-born Jamaican, is the founder and CEO of Ology Enterprises in Shanghai, a business consulting company focused on coaching, training, and blockchain technology. Specializing in personal development, diversity, and career coaching, Colin coaches individual and groups on how to reach their dreams, goals, and desires. And now, here is my interview with Colin Thompson. Hello, Colin, and welcome to my podcast. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to um, having a great, you know, 25, 35, 45 minutes with you. Awesome, awesome. Can you give the audience a brief introduction to who you are? Yes, sir. So my name is Colin Thompson. I am a husband, father, entrepreneur. I'm not sure if I should say I'm a father or husband first, but I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur. I'm a resident now of Shanghai, China, where I've been for the last 12 years. I've had the fortune of being what I would call the son of immigrants. My parents were from Jamaica and migrated, not migrated, excuse me, immigrated to Canada. I was born in Canada and then we immigrated one more time to the United States where I had a tremendous, a very tremendous upbringing. So I like to say that I'm the child of the earth. <laughs> Jamaica, inside the household, it was Jamaica, Canada, U.S., and now China. 
Awesome. So how was life growing up as an immigrant in Canada? Well, I was born in Canada, so I was I was more of a Canadian citizen. And I was young, very young. And excuse me, you're going to hear my son in the background. He likes to test his lungs out whenever I record. So excuse the screaming there. He's not being hurt. He's just crying. So in Canada, I was very young. I didn't know anything from anything. But when I did move to the U.S., that's when I really had my first taste of something is different in how I grew up. But as far as Canada, I had a very peaceful, easy life as a kid in Canada. Awesome. So you had a close relationship with your parents growing up? Absolutely. I have five older siblings, three older sisters and two older brothers. And we moved around a lot. And I think because we moved around a lot, it really made, it really brought us close together. So we always were very tight with each other and also very tight with, with our parents as well. Very interesting household. Um, my father was what I call old school Jamaican, which meant he was very, very tough. And we had the, the contrast, my father being very, very tough, my mother being very, very nurturing and whatnot, but very, very close to our, to our parents growing up. Very tight family. Cool. So do you think that growing up and moving around influenced your life and starting to run your own business? Not necessarily moving around. My father, he had his own business. He was an engineer. And after he moved to the United States, he worked for Bechtel for a number of years and then opened his own uh, construction company. From a very young age, we always, my brothers and I, we always tried to find a way to hustle. For example, in the wintertime, there's nothing more that we love more than having a snowy day. If it snowed, that meant we're going to make some money. We're going to go sho- shovel driveways. Same thing, cut grass in the summer. So we always try to find ways to make money. And I think it was just having that, that hustler, don't even say hustler, just having that attitude that if you really want to do more and get more, you have to do more. I don't think anybody really gets rich from their job, but people get wealthy from having their own organization, having their own company. So from a young age, we were taught to really go beyond, go beyond, go beyond. So going beyond is something that you picked up from your father. Going beyond is something that I think my father started. To be honest with you, I think I picked it up from my brother. We have three older sisters then two brothers. So the brother, my brother, who is almost a year older than me, he was always trying something in the realm of entrepreneurship. Always, always, always. I never felt like I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Part of it, I, quite frankly, I didn't think I had what, what it takes. But more importantly, I didn't really want that problem to worry. I did not want to have to produce a product. I did not want to be in a position. I always wanted to be the person second in command, but not in command. I just didn't want the responsibility. But I think I really got that drive and energy from him because when I, what I've seen him do, and he's done a lot of different, different businesses, is that he keeps trying, he keeps going, and he keeps succeeding. So, I, so when I was in a position to really try something on my own, I really, <laughs> it's funny because I started in college, but I really started to have more faith in myself and started little businesses here. Some made it, some didn't. But I think I really got that from my brother as opposed to my father. Ah, so it sounds like you guys had a really close uh, familial upbringing. <laughs> yeah, my brother and I, like I said, we're almost less than, less than a year, we're about four days shy of a year. People tell us all of our lives, we look like twins. We grew up very, very close, very, very close. We went to you know high school together, went to the same college, very, very close. So what did you go? And so since you didn't want to be an entrepreneur, what did you go to college to become? I went, first of all, I went to college because I had to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was that, I I don't want to talk bad about myself, but I was that jock in high school. Quite frankly, if it wasn't for sports, 
I would not have gotten into college. I went to Howard University, which is a HBCU, historically black college university. And the only reason I was able to get accepted was because I was on a wrestling scholarship. My GPA out of high school, I'm ashamed to say it, was 2.0 or 2.1, actually, 2.1 out of high school, which, as you know, is very, very low. And you're not going to get into an academic school. But luckily, I I was able to get an exception because I was an athlete. So when I got to college, I was just there because, one, I could continue wrestling. And two, it was out of Kentucky. (laughs) So And back in my family, all my family was in Washington, D.C. at that time. It, to me, it was just what my family did. Everybody after high school, they moved to Washington, D.C., so it was my turn to do that. So when I went to college, it wasn't really because I wanted to get the higher education. It's because that's just what I was told to do, and I had an opportunity to continue wrestling. So what got to the point of actually wanting to work hard to actually graduate from college? Yeah, you know, that it changed very quickly. My first semester, I met a professor. I went there as a finance major. I quickly changed to information systems because my father was into computers and I found out that it was fun. It was fun. So I changed majors and about halfway through my freshman year, I realized that the girls on campus want to date guys who are smart. So I had to really pick up my study habits. And one of the best ways to pick up your study habits, and also enjoy college life was to ask girls to study together. Before my freshman year ended, I really got more serious about school. And luckily, that carried over and I was able to get scholarships. And that's when I really changed and started really looking at, okay, I really want to graduate and make good money. Let me really start focusing on academics. So it turns out your desire to get yourself a lady is what actually ended up turning your life around. Huh. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because in a way you're correct, because in high school, I had a job at a restaurant called Steak and Shake, and I was a waiter. And that was my first time waiting tables. And one thing I learned was the more comfortable you make your patrons, the customers feel, the larger of a tip you get. So I learned when I was, you know, 15, 16, really how to talk to people, really how to make them feel comfortable. And I think that's what really turned my life because I got so much confidence in speaking. You know, public speaking was always my goal. You know, if I could have two jobs in this world, one would be a professional public speaker and the second would be a high school wrestling coach. But public speaking really is what gets me going. So I think being able to develop my ability to speak to people who I didn't know and make them feel comfortable at a young age, I think that's, that's what really turned my life or helped me pivot to get going to where I would eventually get to. So why did you want to be a public speaker growing up? <laughs> so when I moved from Canada, now you have to understand this is 1980, very different environment from where it is today. When I moved from Canada, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky is Southern-ish, Midwest slash Southern. People there have a more of an accent. I wouldn't say a Southern twang, but they have, a, they have an accent. Don't forget, I mentioned that my, my family is Jamaican. So in the household... We, it's Jamaican. So I was moving from Canada to Kentucky with Jamaican parents whom teachers, neighbors weren't really used to, weren't really used to Jamaican accent. And of course, I had more of a Canadian accent. But also, because when we moved to the U.S., things were different as far as, you know, whites, blacks, Asian, Latino, things were very different in the U.S. And I believe I got very nervous, very, very apprehensive, and I started to stutter more when I talked. I also had a lisp and I had a strange Canadian 
accent. So due to that, they put me in special speech classes when I was in elementary school. And I was very embarrassed by that. And one thing that it made me become was scared to speak out because I was being, being told that in the United States, I don't know how to talk. So what happened was I really started appreciating people who could pub, who could speak in public, going to church, seeing a pe- the preacher up there doing his thing, going out and seeing people who could just really talk and not get nervous. So I became, I, be, I started to really, I guess you can say, train myself to not be nervous speaking in public. And I really developed what I call a good skill set to speak in public and really try to motivate people. So even to this day, one of my favorite things to do is get up in front of a room full of people and just talk, talk, talk. There is no nervousness. And I think, you know, if I could use that and motivate people, that's win-win. That sounds great. You graduated from college. Did you get a job right away or did you, what was your, how did you transition from not wanting going into business for yourself to going into business for yourself? Oh yeah. So when I graduated, I took a job with Ernst & Young as an IT consultant. So I was set. I had a good job there, but I really started the small, what I call small business uh, in college. Uh, it might not be legal now, but I give out loans. I give out very short-term loans. A lot of guys, for whatever reason, they'd have money Monday, but not Friday. So if they wanted to go out on Thursday, I give them a loan, about $20, And then I'd have to get that back within a week. And, you know, I would take their lap, their, their, um, their, their monitor, computer monitor or something, right, for collateral. And I would do this and do this and do this and make pretty good money off of it. Again, I don't know if it was legal or not, but, you know, they, they were happy. I was happy. So I had that wanting to have a side hustle. But as far as opening like a business business, I really wasn't into that. Even now, I'm still hesitant to work with a lot of other people. Luckily, what I'm doing now is I'm, my, I'm, a, I'm a company of one, right? So it's easy to manage. And I do have a blockchain uh, company I'm, I'm working with, and there are three of us. We don't have, I would say, a large foundation. I always get nervous when you have to start buying a lot of inventory, when you have to have a lot of other things involved. I'd much rather it be what I would call doing business via laptop. So how do you transition to going that, to being your CEO of your one-person company? <laughs> well, it's, I graduated in 1995, and I worked for organizations until 2018. And during that time, I did do a little side business here and there, but nothing that I would say, this is my main bread and butter. I mentioned to you before that I have a love for motivating people, inspiring people. I have a love for public speaking. Now, what I found though is if I motivate people today, in time, motivation is lost and they may be back to where they started. My goal isn't to motivate somebody for motivation's sake. My goal is to help them reach a goal, help them to improve their life. So if I think about that, and that's part of my, my DNA. A few years ago, I was working for IBM and I came over, I started with, with IBM in 2006 and they brought me here to China in 2008. One of the things that I guess the powers that be recognized in me is again, my desire to motivate, my desire to encourage people. So they asked me to, on top of my main responsibilities, to also volunteer to become an internal coach, to coach teams, coach leaders, coach managers. Now at this time, this is now 2015. I did not know what a coach was, business coach, life coach. I'm an athlete. I know what a sports coach is. So when they asked me to be a coach, I was like, oh, I really don't know, but I'll try it. 
But I found it was very, very different from how a coach coaches an athletic team. What I found was a lot of people just need that support, need that encouragement, need guidance and help on how to make change. And what this now allowed me to do, it allowed me to work with people over a time period, over three months, six months, nine months, one year, and help them to achieve their goal. Previously, I was doing more motivation. I motivate you today and you'll be back to your old way you know, two weeks later. Coaching helped me to bridge that gap. Now I can help this person and stay with this person throughout the entire journey. And a light bulb went off because now I have, I have opportunity to really do what I really feel is my calling. So in 2018, I uh, had opportunity to leave IBM and I've been starting, I started my own coaching practice about two years ago. And it's been a, an interesting journey since then. So what exactly do you coach people on benefit that they get from coaching from you? Well, I think the benefit that hopefully the benefit that most clients get from working with a coach is reaching their goals, reaching their dreams, reaching their desires. And what this does, it helps them in one way or another to improve their lives. And if you think about what happens when you improve your life, odds are the lives of your family, loved ones are also improved. Right now in 2018, the vast majority of my clients I'm working with for career coaching. A lot of times I work with clients for what I call interpersonal coaching as well, helping them to improve how they communicate with other people, helping them to build better relationships with themselves and with other people. But right now it's really been, I want to say this is due to COVID, but I don't really think it's due to COVID, but a lot more people are really, really reaching out for career coaching, meaning they either want to advance in their current job, they want to find a job, or they want to pivot and go into an entirely new career. And the benefit from working with, with a coach is that you now have somebody who is helping you to find your way along and also being there with you for encouragement, for accountability, for somebody who you can bounce some ideas off and we'll, we'll talk about those ideas and make sure that the path you're on is the best path for you. This is, I guess, a personal curiosity. You say you're, you have a blockchain business. Is this something different than what only thing I really know blockchain is like Bitcoin and other blockchain type currencies, cryptocurrencies? Do you work in cryptocurrencies or do you something beyond that? Yeah, and I'm over here laughing because when most people think about blockchain, they think about cryptocurrencies. And to, 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 to those of us who are what I would say blockchain professionals or blockchain enthusiasts, we don't like that part because people just are looking at it in a small aspect. Cryptocurrencies are what's on top of the blockchain itself. So if you think about, well, let me just first share with you. I got into blockchain back in 2017 uh, while I was still working with IBM. Of course, people said blockchain is going to change the world. It has not done that as yet. Cryptocurrencies, however, do have an opportunity to be very impactful, to change people's lives, primarily because it allows for what I call uh, free system banking, so to speak. You don't have to, or free financial movement. You don't have to really uh, rely on a the financial system of any particular country. But to to go into your question, that my blockchain business is not associated with my coaching business, but that is the next step. I'll just share with you very briefly. I'm one of the co-founders of Exchange. We're an online assessment, training, and coaching platform. We're gearing up for, again, we go back to the changes that have taken place due to the Internet of Things 
due to, again, not due to COVID, but just due to AI and other technologies. There are a lot of jobs that are going away and a lot of jobs that are being created. When people in the U.S., for example, when that door opens up and they say, okay, the economy is rebounding, let's go out and get those jobs. There are going to be so many people applying and going after the same jobs. How do you, as an individual, compete with them? Well, one of the ways you compete with them is you have to upskill. Right now, while you have time, upskill, upskill, upskill. Go beyond the hard skills to the soft skills. And our platform allows you to assess yourself. What are your skills? What are you strong at? What areas do you need to improve on? Here is, here is your assessment. Here is some, also some training you can take to upskill to be more valuable in a marketplace. So that platform is really about helping people to become more valuable in the marketplace by allowing them to assess their skills and providing them with necessary training so that they are more valuable in the marketplace. And that's on top of the blockchain. And the benefit here is we have these, what we call digital credentials. So once you take your training, once you do assessments, you get these certifications that that stick with you forever. I think if you know right now, most universities, when you get your di- diploma or your transcripts, you don't own those. The university owns those. But with our platform, you own all of your digital certificates and credentials, and they live forever ever on a blockchain. So you now no longer have to rely on reaching out to different organizations and requesting your information. It's all in one, one, one place and all there for you to pass out to whomever you feel at your desire. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And this is something that you're going to find that, you know, the days of the regular resume is going away. The paper resume is going away. Right now, everything is moving to digital certificates. If you look at LinkedIn, for example, you have digital certificates every time you take training. And that's really where things are going now, where people want to be able to go online and know about your skills, know about your past, and really see trusted certifications that, that you own. And the same thing with, with your medical records. Your medical records, if you... <laughs> If you move from state to state, you do not have access to medical records. Well, with blockchain, you can now have ownership of your medical records in one place. You go to a doctor, open up your file, boom, he has the entire history to look at, not just what you've done over the last two years in his office. Oh, that'd be nice. I do not like filling out that form. <laughs> in the last two years, have you ever had cancer or do you, right. you know, family history and all that? That is not fun. Right, right. Well, that, that is interesting. I don't know if it's a diversion, but you know, what we know about blockchains in the like our non-enthusiasts is just people trying to you know score a quick buck on Bitcoin or Electrium or the other ones. Dodge, yeah. Dogecoin. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me say the people who are dabbling in cryptocurrencies right now are the same people who will have more financial freedom tomorrow. Because, you know, the, you see the world is moving now more to digital currency. During COVID, from, here in China, where we had the initial outbreak, from January through, I want to say May, I didn't touch a single physical piece of currency. In China, every, most people spend their money using the, the cell phone. You guys have Apple Pay, so like Apple Pay, but much better. And you're seeing that more countries are now moving from the, the paper currency to digital currency. Now, Digital currency is not the same as crypto, but you're also seeing that crypto is not going away. More and more banks, more and more financial institutions are now being crypto ready. So those folks who are dabbling now are the same folks who are going to be in a more of a financially, I I can say, secure position later. Every month, I add at least a couple hundred dollars to my cryptocurrency balance. That's a good idea. Yeah, over here, we're actually in the United States. We actually have a coin shortage, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 
because nobody's spending it. They're keeping all the coins at home now. Very true. I mean, honestly, I haven't spent any cash since COVID. You don't want to touch it. Yeah. What does it look like working with you? Someone's like, wow, this guy sounds really cool and I want to work with him as a coach. Uh, what would that look like? It would be, to be honest with you, it's, it's uncomfortable for the client at first. And I'll tell you why. A lot of times when we get a client, and I'll, I'll walk you through an example. I had one client came to me and he said, okay, what is your goal? I want to lose weight. Okay. So we went from that high level goal to I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of the year. More, a little more specific goal. But what I do first is I say, let's go beyond that because we want to make sure that the client is getting the, we're getting to the real goal. So I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of the year. And I add this so that you can what? So he said, so that I can look better in my clothes. Okay. So that you can what? So that my wife is more attracted to me. Okay. So that you can what? So that we have a better relationship. Okay. Let's look at what the goal is. The goal isn't to lose weight. The goal is to improve your relationship with your wife. And sometimes that's very uncomfortable having a conversation because, you know, speaking those things out loud, if he was confident and was not nervous about being that open, he would have led with, I want to improve my relationship with my wife. But instead, he led with what he thought was a solution. So we always have to take time to go from what the client says to identifying what is the real goal. And sometimes at that point, the relationship with the, with the client and the coach isn't there yet. People get uncomfortable for that because now we can say, okay, if your goal is to improve your relationship with your wife, let's talk about that because there may be other solutions as opposed to losing weight. So that first conversation is somewhat uncomfortable, but it helps us get to the real goal, the real issue. And clients typically have a little mini aha moment because maybe they didn't even realize that was the, the real goal. So we identify the real goal. Then we talk about how do we go from here to there? And oh, by the way, how do we avoid some of the obstacles that you faced before? How do we get past some of the barriers you faced before? And again, the beautiful thing is I'm with the client through them reaching and going beyond the goal. So I like to say that working with me is very uncomfortable in the beginning, but as we continue to work together, it gets much more comfortable and it really gets very fulfilling for myself to coach and for the client because when a client sees themselves progressing, progressing and progressing and really doing it, really making change, it really invigorates them and it helps them to start thinking about what other changes can I make in my life? So I like to say it's a very uncomfortable yet fun process. Do you have any fun success stories to share? Well, <laughs> yeah, that was one, right? Because the guy, the, the, the client that I told you about, uh, he and his wife now have a little baby. And I like to think that I had a little bit <laughs> to, to, to do with that. But my, I would say my biggest success story was I had one client whom one of his goals was to be a movie producer. And he felt that what was blocking him from achieving that goal was his habits. He had some very bad habits. So we worked together on how to really help him develop, I would say, I would say better habits. He called it a routine, a better routine, a better set of habits. And we worked from where he was not doing some of the things he should be doing to where his family, his friends, his loved ones all said to him, wow. What has taken place in the last six months? You are a totally, totally different person. And he was so enthused by getting that feedback, it pushed him to stay on track. 
right? Encouragement is something. Encouragement really helps us out. I'll tell you about that. But at the end, he just submitted his first film to a um, a festival a few weeks ago. And hopefully he'll get some, some positive feedback. And you go back six, seven, eight months, he was in no position to even think about submitting a film. So I'm very proud that he was able to achieve his goal. And now his life is totally went a 180. Awesome. So we are coming to the end of our time together. One thing I like to ask my guests is do a one minute of motivation. You can't imagine this as if you have a time machine and you're going back to your eight-year-old self back in time and you only have a minute until you're plopped back into the future. Or you can think of it as if you're taking your entire life's message purpose and condensing it down to a minute. So are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. It's all about unreasonable confidence. Having what I call the Kanye West confidence, where the only person who needs to believe in you is you. Having that belief that you can and you will succeed, regardless of what life throws at you, regardless of the feedback or lack of support you may get from your friends and family. You know, making sure that you are your best cheerleader. Cheerleaders have one job. The job of the cheerleading team is to encourage, encourage, encourage no matter what. So always be your own best cheerleader. Always give yourself encouragement. And finally, always, always, always bet on yourself that you will find a way. Even if you don't know you can, you can. Even if you don't know how, you'll find a way. The last thing to say is six words. Do not stop until you succeed. Do not stop until you succeed. And if you do that, you will reach all of your dreams. You'll hit all your goals and your life will be very fulfilling. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I very much enjoyed listening to your story on how you grew up as an immigrant in Canada, but having a good close familial relationship that helped facilitate this idea that hard work can pay off and learning how to relate to people through your job as a waiter and also then trying to finally getting into college and turning your life around there and taking your academics seriously so that you can get a nice paying job later, but then discovering your love of coaching and your love of speaking through actually going through classes on how to become a better speaker and just enjoying how what it's like to get in front of people and changing people's lives that way. Plus what you're doing with blockchain did expand my mind on what is possible with it. So thank you so much for everything you do for this planet. And thank you for being on my podcast. Yeah, but thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. May your day be special. There you have it, folks. That was my interview with Colin Thompson. I find it interesting his stuff, especially about blockchain technologies. I don't know a lot about blockchain, so I probably talked a little bit too much about blockchain, but his service that he talked to of that digital certificate credentials seems very cool. The idea of having everything stick with you in a blockchain type situation, especially the medical stuff as well. The future is amazing. And also I appreciated him telling us about his life and everything he went through. He had a very interesting life. And it kind of shows you the many ways to go into personal growth and personal development and making that into a career and learning from his brothers and his father. It's really cool. I very much enjoyed my interview with him. So if you would like to learn more about Colin, Colin wants to help you succeed in your personal development, growth, and journey. Contact him through his website to make an appointment and together discuss how you can become the person you need to be in order to succeed. That website is www.oligye.com. You can find him on Skype at Tomco, Twitter at CoachColinT1, and at WeChat, Instagram, and Telegram at 
Coach Colin T. There we have it, folks. That was episode 104 of the Joyous Expansion podcast. Coming closer and closer to the end. I think there's five more interviews to go. Thank you so much for listening to this. Know that if you are listening to these words right now, that I love you very much and that you are a very special person in my life for sticking with this for me for this long and this for this long, especially if you are a long time listener to few of you that exist. I do truly appreciate you being part of this endeavor. If you want to email me for any reason, you can email me at, email me at bre2ts, gpr2es at joyousexpansion.com. You can check out joyousexpansion.com. You can, you know the drill, Instagram, Twitter, not Facebook, but LinkedIn, YouTube at Joyous Expansion, because my SEO game sucks. I've been doing that joke for a while. Increase your joy on Facebook. Once again, I'm Brett Dupree, your Joyous Expansion Live Coach, Champion of Authentic Joy, and Kettles of Transformation for the Church of Awesome. Reminding you once again, to be love, to be joy, to be awesome. Now play my jingle. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Come and say hello to Brett Dupree. He is an inspirational life coach. Good for you and good for me. He turned my life from gray to blue. I'm sure he'll do the same for you. Get in touch and you'll see. Your life will change dramatically. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Yeah!